Well, good morning, good day, happy, whatever. We're so glad you're with us. Um, it's been a minute, and we're so happy that we're back here. And I just want to extend a very hearty welcome to everyone if you've recently joined us, because we've been talking for a while, inviting people to invite their friends and to some, have someone take this journey with you. So maybe your friend is in, has invited you to, to join in with us, and maybe they sent you the URL, and maybe this is the first time or first couple of times. I just realized I haven't welcomed those people that are new to us. So I wanted to do that. And if that's you, we're so glad you're with us, and we look forward to taking this journey with the person who invited you as well as with us. As I start off this, this um, message, I wanted to just circle back to something we talk about generally only once or twice a year, but I really felt it was important to come uh, to bring this back up again. And we believe that everyone fits into four categories, A, B, C, and D. And I got this from Pastor Chris at Church of the Highlands, who we're patterning our church after. And it breaks down to this. Um, a is someone who's all in, says, man, I, I, I've been, you know, I, I've studied it, I've looked at it, I know this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be a part of the vision. I'm all in. But then the extreme end of that spectrum over on the opposite side, the antithesis of that would be the D classification where it says, I will never, and you can fill in the blank, I will never accept Christ. I will, I will never believe in this church thing. I, I'm, I would never do all of that. However that would look for you, that may be where you or someone else, someone's going to fit into that category. Then there's C, the people that are still just checking it out. Like, you know, I, I'm not really over here where I'd say I would never, but I'm really not sure. I'm really not convinced. I'm not persuaded yet. I'm still really checking it out. And then B would be, I'm ready to believe. I'm ready to begin. And, and it's, it's this transition. And I believe that all of us are at one stage or another. And maybe you're in different stages at the same time. Maybe there's parts of you that's like, man, I still can't believe that, but I'm, I can believe this. And, and I'm taking this journey. I just want to let you know that everyone is welcome. And no matter where you fit in that, especially those people, and I've talked to many of them recently who would say, I will never believe. I don't have anything to do with that. That's okay for you. Hey, that's awesome. And I, I'm glad that you're part of us and, and listening and I get to talk to you and we get to have conversations outside of here and whatever that would be. We're so happy that you're with us and we want you to feel welcome and at home regardless of where you identify yourself on this journey. Several weeks ago, uh, and recently we've looked at, there's two different worlds, and if you missed it, you can go back to our YouTube channel or our podcast, and you can get that within our app. Um, you can go to both within our app, and on any of the um, smartphone stores, the, the Google Play or the Apple Store, you can go in there and you'll find, just search Belong Church, you'll see our little logo up there, and you, you can download it, and within that it's there. You can go to YouTube and search us, you can go to anywhere you can get podcasts and search it, but you look at the last week, it was talked about two worlds. And, and it's that there's these two worlds that we live in, and we're trying to juggle between the two of them. And honestly, I believe that the biggest struggle is in the transition from this world over here that would be the world's way, as I always try to describe it, and how we're trying to make this transition over here to doing things God's way. But can I tell you that everyone faces and oftentimes loses the challenge of faith. 
In the next couple of weeks, in fact, we're going to be looking in great detail and in depth about this, but I just want to hit a highlight, kind of a preview of it, and we've talked about this many times, but we're really going to center in and hone in on that in this coming few weeks, and that is the word faith. It's not this religious word that everyone's made it out to be. It's not this ethereal thing. It simply means that I'm persuaded. I'm convinced. And it takes a process from being from this, I'll never have anything to do with God, to I'm checking things out. That's that process of being persuaded. That's that process of being convinced. And we're going to look at the word repent, because John the Baptist came onto the scene, and he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then when he was um, beheaded and he, he left this earth, Jesus, it says, then picked up and took over that saying. And he continued to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And and as we looked at it, and again, we're going to look at this in great detail. This is just a preview. But repent simply means to change your mind. But, But we live in this world over here, but to get in this world over here where God has for us, we have to change the way we think. We have to change our mind. We have to change our purpose. But you see, in the world, the literal world that we live in, it requires this thing. It requires constant change. It requires us to be constantly changing. In fact, that's why we go to school. That's why we go and do educational things and, and we, we take the thing of bettering ourselves because we're going to be constantly changing. And, and can I just tell you this? Your faith and our faith is constantly under attack. There's these forces on the outside that's always trying to take us down. And can I tell you that Jesus' words are as relevant today as they were when he spoke them? We need to have a change of mind. We need to have a change of purpose because the kingdom of heaven is right there within your grasp. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. It's right in front of you. It's, it's, it's just right there. Just, you can reach out and grab it. But you see, you have to change your mind and your purpose to be able to experience life to the full that is right in front of you. But history would prove that you are not alone and I'm not alone in this struggle of of moving from this world to this other world and struggling with not having our faith line up and and having that just struggle, that constant tug of war being pulled. In fact, in one of the first books of the Bible, in Genesis and in Exodus, when the children of Israel have left, they're God's chosen people. They struggle for 40 years making the same mistakes. In fact, They kept walking around in circles. While many think the journey would have been only two weeks long had they gone in a straight line and went from point A to point B, they spent 40 years. Millions of people, and I often wonder, with that many millions of people and going in that big of a circle, were were they not but maybe a few hundred feet apart, like when it stops or when the other one's coming around? I mean, it's just like you're chasing your tail all the time, but... Many of us would say that's how we feel about our lives. We would say, man, I just feel like I'm going around in circles. And I feel like I'm chasing my tail. I, I just not, I'm not getting anywhere. See, we're often really close to our answer, to our answered prayers even. We just went through 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and we've, we're asking God for these things, and we're often so close to them But our decisions that we make 
can keep us going in circles. See, they had prayed for a deliverer all that time. Didn't even think it was possible, the children of Israel I'm referring to. And yet God sends Moses and they leave and they've got their answer and what God has got prepared for them is so close. And yet they go around and around. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to keep going around and around in circles. I want to take the steps. I want to take the necessary steps it takes for me to move on to the next place and to move forward with God. A story out of the Bible that I was, I was thinking about as I was preparing this message, that someone that ends up going around in circles, obviously, is not just the children of Israel, but also Samson. And, and I'm not going to read the whole story. We're going to hit some highlights. And, and I like to kind of tease it because I want to encourage you to go and pull your Bible out, whether it's on your phone or you actually like the, the book itself, the, the book to hold it in your hand and just read the story. This only has three chapters that is in the book of Judges that talks about this. And we're going to pick it up in Judges 13. And it starts in verse 1, but we're going to pick up in verse 2. It continues on for the next three. We're going to jump around. I encourage you to go and read it on your own. It says, A certain man from Zorah named Manoah, he was from the tribe of Dan. Manoah had a wife who wasn't able to have children. The, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and he said, You are not able to have children, but you are going to become pregnant. You will have a baby boy. Make sure you do not drink any kind of wine, and also make sure you do not eat anything unclean. And that's where live by God's principles that was set out for them. Remember, this is one of the first books in the Bible, so this is way, way back there. He's like, hey, you need to follow and keep it strict, okay? Because even though you haven't been able to conceive and you haven't been able to get pregnant, so you may have just said, well, I can live however I want to. Well, he's like, hey, God's doing something in your family's life. And you need to be responsible. Verse 5, you will become pregnant and you will have a son. Look at this. The hair of his head must never be cut. That is because the boy will be a Nazarite. And he will be set apart to God from the day he is born. Now, I want to just pause here for one second. There's so much, and, and I'm, I'm going to resist the urge to get bogged down in this because, you know, I want to keep this at the shortest time as possible. But he, he, they weren't able to have a child. So God shows up to them. We don't know if they were petitioning God or not. There's no evidence of that. But the angel comes up and says, hey, you're going to have a child. You're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a son. And he's going to be set apart to God. God's giving you the son, but he's also asking you to give him back this son. And he will take lead. He will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. I encourage you to read this entire account because it, it's, it's even comical in many places. And it's, it's the story and drama and sarcasm. I, I just love this story. And even as I reread it, I'm like cracking up as I'm reading it because it's funny the humor you find in the Bible. But he went on and he, he became a man and, and his dad went on to beg God to, to tell him what he told his wife. So God, the angel appeared. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around too much. The angel appeared to the wife and he gave her this word. She went and told her husband. So then he went to God and started begging him to say, hey, tell me what you told my wife. Hey, if it's really true, tell me, tell me, tell me. And his insecurities are just overwhelming here. And God obliged and, and he sent the same angel or the messenger and he, he came and told him the same thing. And, and here he's like quizzing the angel. 
in, in Judges 13, verse 18, the angel, the angel replied to him, why are you even asking me what my name is? You wouldn't be able to understand it. Like, why are you asking me all these stupid questions? Because you won't even be able to understand it if I tell it to you. Just, big boy, I'm telling you this. Just take what I'm get, giving you. And, and he goes on and, and he becomes, it, it all comes to pass. He grows up, and, and they raise him as a Nazarite. They don't cut his hair, and, and he, that's a, a symbol. It's not about the actual hair. Thank God, since I don't have any. But it's not about the actual hair. It's about the actual following through of the obedience of being, not cutting his hair, and letting this be a sacrifice he's making for God. Samson, as you continue on the story, again, I'm just going to give you some highlights and jump through there. He saw a Philistine woman who he wanted to marry. Now that was another ethnicity, another, not even, they're not in that same thing. They worship different gods and, and he saw her and he, he must have said, man, she's really hot. She's pretty. I want to, I want to get with her. I want to marry her. But his parents weren't in agreement. And, and so they were having this fight between them and Judges 14 Verse 3, but Samson said to his father, hey, can you just go get her for me? She's the right one for me. And can I just tell you, sometimes there's that struggle between kids and parents. But look at the next verse. This one kind of gives me a little pause. It says, Samson's parents didn't know that the Lord wanted things to happen this way. So even though it wasn't fitting into the, the cookie cutter um, image of what they thought it should be, it was how God wanted it to happen. And, and he was being led towards this woman. And so he was eventually marry her. He was work, God was working on his plans against the Philistines. The Philistines were really ruling over Israel at that time. Now, he goes down, he takes a trip, Samson takes a trip to go get engaged, and his parents are with him, and while he's there, this lion came out, and he ends up confronting the lion, he's got supernatural strength, he's just a massive guy, and he kills this lion and just throws him to the wayside, and his parents don't even see it, and so he's kind of protecting them, they go on, he, he gets engaged, he comes back, and when he's on his way to get married, he's, he, see, he leaves them on the side, he goes over where he had killed the lion, and, and he saw that there had been bees that had, had, had um, brewed all this honey inside there and he he took in scooped of it and he he ate of the honey and it is funny so you know this he's this sarcasm in this thing and he didn't tell anybody about it he marries this girl and he goes back and he gives them this riddle at the the wedding ceremony and he's asking the, everybody and then they get all upset with him and it's this whole deal again go and read it it's an amazing story that is there he leaves and he goes and he's he's fighting for god and and he comes back to see his wife and in, in judges 15 verse 1 samson went to visit his wife he's married to her he's coming back home and he took a young goat with him and he went at the time the wheat was being gathered and he said i'm gonna go to my wife's room and he shows up at where he thinks he's gonna be able to go in and receive his wife and be received by his wife. You know what I'm saying? And his father, her father, won't let him in. He's like, what in the world's going on? Verse two, her father said, I was sure you hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Another translation says someone who was at the wedding. So uh, what in the world? She was married to Samson, and her dad says, okay, Samson's out doing the stuff. Maybe he's not coming back. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you to someone else. It doesn't say she got married to the other person. It's, just, it's all messed up, okay? And then he says, her father says this to Samson, but isn't her younger sister more beautiful? Just take her. 
That's a messed up story. And Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. Now again, we're reading between the lines. I recognize that and admit that up front. But it would appear to me if he's saying this time I have the right to get even with the Philistines, that there was plenty of other times that he wanted to that he didn't have the right. And then look what he said. I'm going to hurt them badly. So he went out and caught 300 foxes, and he tied them in pairs by their tails, and he tied a torch to each pair of tails, and he lit the torches, and he let the foxes loose in the field of the grain that belonged to the Philistines, and he burned up all the grain that had been cut and stacked, and he burned up the grain that was still growing, he burned up all the vineyards and the olive trees. Man, he just laid waste to everything of this nation. And even though they're ruling Israel and they've got the dominance of that, he's now taking control and he's causing this huge problem. This crazy scenario is going on here. So they're coming against him. They're getting really mad. And he's not able to be defeated. Verse six, chapter 16, verse 1. And then one day, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went in to spend the night with her. Samson apparently likes the ladies. He's wanting to just indulge himself, and, you know, all this drama's going on. He's got a wife that was taken from him, and the dad tries to give the younger sister to him, and he leaves, and he causes all this drama. He sees this other girl, and, and he's thinking, okay, we're going to get... Good, you know, we're going to go this way. Verse 2, then the people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. Everybody's got their mark on him. He's got a target on his back. So they surrounded the place, and they hid and waited for him at the city gate for all night long, and they didn't make any move against him during the night. And they said, let us wait until the sun comes up, and then we'll kill him. Samson stayed there only until the middle of the night. Then he got up and he took hold of the doors of the city gate and he took hold of the two doorposts and he tore them loose. I mean, think about that. That's massive. Together with the metal bar, he picked them up and put them on his shoulders. Then he carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. That's an amazing feat. Look at this, verse four. Sometime later, Samson fell in love again. This is crazy. The woman lived in the valley of some place, and her name was Delilah. And many people now will know this part of the story. I'm going to wager a guess that many people don't know the first part. And again, go read the whole story. I'm leaving out so much. I'm just trying to tease you to read the whole thing. Now, verse 5, the rulers of the Philistines went to her, and they said, see if you can get him to tell you the secret to why he's so strong. So here, Samson fell in love with Delilah. The rulers come to Delilah on the low and says, hey, listen, you're on our side. See if you can get him to tell you the secret. Use your feminine wiles to get him to tell you his secret of why he's so strong. Look at this. They didn't even mask what they wanted. Find out how we can overpower him. Then we can tie him up. What do you think they're going to do with him once they've overpowered him and taken him up, Delilah? Do you think they're going to take and put him up on, on everybody's shoulders and celebrate him? No, they're trying to destroy him. And then we can bring him under our control. 
But can I tell you that even in our lives, there's people that are trying to find out what the secret is to why we're successful. The secret to why we're happy when they're not happy. The secret, they want us under their control and they want to keep their thumb on us. Look at this. And each of us will give you 28 pounds of silver. So of all of the rulers that came out to her, at the, however many there was, it doesn't say, but all of them says, each one of us are going to give you 28. We're going to make you rich, Delilah, if you'll just help us out with this. So in her lust for money, she said, okay, look at this, verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of why you're so strong. Tell me how you can be tied up and controlled. Now, that's just the stupidest thing in the world to me. Guys can be stupid very often. She's sitting there, you know, probably running her fingers through his hair. It's like, hey, how can you be controlled? How, how could we tie you up? You know, just tell me, what's your secret? And he toys with her for the longest time, and, and she does it and tells him, and they come in to grab him, and they do what he said, and it, he busts out. It, it happens three times, and look in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you and you won't even share, I mean, the drama. Can you just hear this? Just the drama just dripping all out of this. How can you say you love me and you won't even share your secret with me? This is the third time you've made me look foolish and you still haven't told me the secret to why you're so strong. And she continued to pester him day after day, and probably after day after day after day, and she nagged him until he was sick and tired of it. And so he told her everything. In a moment of weakness, where he was said not to ever cut his hair, that was a covenant between him and God that was made with his parents, he told her, it's that I'm a Nazarite, that God, I have this covenant with God, I can't cut my hair. And so she went and told them, and they, they cut her hair. She cut his hair in the middle of the night, and then she called them. And then verse 20, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are attacking you. And he, he woke up from his sleep, and he thought, I'll just go out and do as I did before. I'll just shake myself free. Look at this. But he didn't know that the Lord had left him. He had compromised that covenant with God. And now when he was expecting God to be in his corner, he was left by himself. Verse 21, then the Philistines grabbed him and they poked his eyes out and they, they took him down to Gaza and they put bronze chains around him and they made him grind grain in the prison. And if you've ever seen the pictures of this, it's, it's got a, a center turnstile and it's got this thing. And, and he's the place of an ox because he's so strong. And so he's locked in this thing and he's just pushing this thing around and around in circles. Don't you know that as he's sitting there, his eyes are poked out, he can't see anything anymore. As he's just going around and around in circles, he doesn't know how he got here. But he's replaying it over and over again. He, don't you imagine he's saying, how could I be so stupid? How could I have traded this and told this woman and she was fooling me all these times. She kept doing everything. I, how could I be so stupid? He kept going around in circles. Verse 22. His head had been shaved, but now the hair on it began to grow again. 
So that, that place where he had been shaved is now that covenant is starting to come back. The God of second chances. See, Samson lived in two worlds. He was following God and he's following what his parents had laid out for him. And scripture often says, and if you go and read that, I encourage you to read those three chapters. That, that says the Spirit of God came upon him and did these crazy major things. But even in that, he still made bad choices. He still lived for himself in some things. But even in his bad choices, thinking he was in being invisible, that there was nothing that could take him down, his mistakes left him going around in circles. And even in that, God gave him a second chance. His hair began to grow. And no matter where you find yourself, the Spirit of God can cause growth to come into you. So if you would say, man, I've missed him in. I once walked with God, but now I'm, just, I'm too far gone. He would never take me back. It would never work again. Let me just tell you that even in the story of Samson, who messed up so royally, God says the hair began to grow. And I'm going to let you go read that yourself so you can see the end of that story. But God did some amazing things. See, Samson lost his sight, but can I tell you, we can lose our sight. We can just see what is in this world, and living in this world is all we see. Because sometimes it's hard to see what's in God's world. We end up placing importance where it doesn't belong. But then in Samson's story, just think about that tiny piece of hair starting to grow. And again, it's a process. The hair's beginning to grow and it's getting a little bit longer and a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And they weren't paying attention to keep shaving his head. And this great miracle happened. In the book of Romans, Apostle Paul, I actually believe Paul wrote it. It's, it's not denoted or delineated who actually wrote it, but I believe Paul wrote it. Um, I'm not going to argue with you, but that's what I believe. He says in Romans 7 verse 15, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And, and so often the time, that's what describes many of us. I really want to live in God's world. I really want to live over here, but I end up not doing it. I still make the wrong decisions. Verse 18 says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. Man, I'm just really a mess. That is in my sinful nature. And I want to do what's right, but I can't. Verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. My intentions are good. I just fail miserably at it. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Look at that. I don't want to do what is wrong. The next screen, yes. But I do it anyway. That describes so many of us. That there's things in our lives that we don't want to keep living that way. We don't want to keep making those same mistakes, but we still end up doing it. Romans 7 verse 21 says, I've discovered the principle of life, this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. So as much as I've tried to get out of this world over here and move into this life where God is, I end up failing. And if that's you, let me just show you 
the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and, and he's a, a great man that we aspire to, to be like. And even in that, he say, man, I inevitably do what is wrong. Look at verse 22. I love God with all my heart. Man, my loving God isn't the issue. I love God. I still make mistakes. Verse 23. But there's a power within me that is at war with my mind. There's a war going on for your mind. This power that makes me a slave to that sin that is still within me. I'm still living in this world over here. Verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Did you ever? Man, how can I make the same mistake again? I'm here again, God. I'm kneeling before your altar saying, God, I did it again. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Sin, again, just simply means I'm missing it, missing the mark. Man, I, I, I just try and I keep making mistakes. I love verse 25. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer to all of the questions that he just asked about what a miserable person, who can free me? The answer is Jesus. Today, the answer is Jesus for your life. See, in the next few weeks, we're actually going to look, and Paul says that he describes himself as the chief sinner, and he's at the front of the line for, for making mistakes and, and sinning. And, I, and that's me too. And I, even almost every week I hear people saying, oh, look at that person, they're a sinner. I'm like, oh, no, no, you want to see a sinner? Look at me. I, I'm a sinner. Man, I'm the worst. I stand at the front of that line. Not as self-deprecating to, to draw attention, but I can't set in a place higher than anybody else because I make mistakes as well. Romans 12, 2 says, And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind. That's a transition from this world over to this other world. So that you may prove what is the will of God and that what is good and acceptable and perfect. And another translation says this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Don't live in this world and look over here and say, hey, I'm going to copy, I'm going to imitate them. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isn't that amazing? Let God transition you, transform you into a new person by the way you think. In the NIRV, it says like this way, don't live the way this world lives. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. Then you'll be able to test what God wants for you. And you'll, you will agree with what He wants is right and He's good. Verse 2, putting some more emphasis on that. The next screen. Let your way of thinking be completely changed. See, that's repentance where it says, have a change of mind, have a change of purpose. That's a transformation that happens in you. Look at then, then you'll be able to, the next screen, then you'll be able to test what God wants for you. Hey, then you're going to be able to see the difference between the two of them. And lastly, what he wants is right. His plan is good pleasing, 
perfect. And if you know me at all, you know, yeah, here it is. John 10, 10. I've described this whole thing and I've waited to the last moment to reveal it again. And the thief comes, Jesus says, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's this world over here. But I have come, he says, so you may have life in the fullest possible way. Please bow your heads. Let me ask you today, where are you in this plan that God has? Have you even recognized that he has one? Maybe you're like Samson and the Apostle Paul living in both worlds and having that struggle being pulled in one side to the other. Maybe you would even identify with Paul. and You say what you want to do is the right thing, but you're constantly finding yourself making the same mistakes over and over. But the greatest answer is what we just read. It's in the Bible. I, I put it on the screen so you can see it's right there in your own Bible if you look at it. The answer is Jesus. Today I invite you to surrender to him and, and ask him to bring order and, and give him your life. You do that simply by saying this prayer. I invite you to say it with me. Say, God in heaven, I want to begin a relationship with you. I want to know you. Right now, I ask you to forgive me for every time I've missed it and make me brand new. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for giving your life for me. I give you my life. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer for the first time. Or maybe they're coming back and they're praying it again and they're renewing their relationship. Maybe it's happening over and over again as part of their transformation process. That's great. Lord, I thank you that all of heaven rejoices when we come back to you. Lord, I thank you that we can move from this world of living to as it is in heaven. Lord, that we're going to move from this worldly kingdom to the kingdom of heaven that you said is right there in front of us. Lord, teach us to trust you and then show us how to do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we're closing, I just encourage you to, to communicate with us. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to take the next step. And that's simply to text the word next to 469-289-1114. And that's our text communication system. It's going to ask you a few questions, but it'll give us the ability to communicate back with you and tell you what your next steps are are if you'd like to take them. And of course, we want to know what's going on. We want to hear your testimonies. And I encourage you, I start off by saying you may have been joining in. Invite somebody to take this journey with you, with us. Maybe you want to copy this URL and send it to somebody. And we're going to continue to greet them and tell them that we're glad they're with us. And it's great when we do things together. And lastly, if you want to be a part of the financial solution and you want to be a part of the giving of this church, the, the easiest way to do that is text to give. And it's simply text the word give, G-I-V-E, to 469-410-7788. And it's going to ask you some questions. It's a different number than our text communication because it's financial. It's got to be a separate number to keep everything secure. Again, that number is 469-410-7788 and text the word GIVE and it'll ask you the questions. And after that, you, you don't even have to do anything but put the amount you want to give and it automatically does it. It's very, very simple. 
or you can simply go to givetobelong.com and it's going to walk you through the same things. It's in our app. It's everywhere you want to see. Not trying to push it out there, be in your face, but letting you know what is there for you. Well, let's pray and be dismissed. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you for the Bible showing us the vulnerabilities of people like Samson. For Paul being vulnerable and saying, man, I keep missing it over and over again. So I won't think that I'm the only one. Father, I give you all the glory and all the honor. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in me, Lord, what you're doing in each one of us. And I pray you help show us the next step over and over again and that we continue to grow from glory to glory till one day we see you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.